Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Traverse Theatre, Edinburgh. We now join the theatre's literary officer and your host, Jennifer Williams. Hello, and welcome to another edition of our ongoing series of Travcast interviews with playwrights, in which we talk with playwrights about their current work and also explore some of their thoughts about the art of playwriting and the part it plays in their lives. With us today is the extraordinary playwright Joe Clifford. Joe is a writer, performer, and teacher who lives in Edinburgh and has written over 70 plays. Joe believes, if I can quote her, that theater needs to be written for the world and about the world. We have to create new values, new institutions, new economic and political structures, or we will destroy ourselves. It is the responsibility of the artist to help dream and vision create these new values and these new structures. Joe has recently been an IASH Traverse Creative Fellow at the Institute for Advanced Studies in Humanities at the University of Edinburgh. As part of the fellowship, she has written the play The Tree of Knowledge, which will be opening very soon at the Traverse. Uh, so I thought I might start by asking you a couple, a little bit about that play, which we're all very much looking forward to. I had the pleasure of being at a wonderful talk that you gave at IASH while you were a fellow there, where you spoke to the challenges of writing a play about such an important historical figure as David Hume, um, and in terms of bringing him to life rather than just writing about a historical figure. And I thought you spoke very beautifully and humorously about hearing his voice in your head. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that and whether you tend to work that way with your characters. Do you hear them first? That, that's the most important thing. Um, I have to hear the characters. That's the, that's the only way I know that they've come to life. Um, and they always speak very vividly. Uh, and it's partly, it's partly me hearing them. It's partly me being them, I'm identifying very strongly with them as I write. Uh, and another part of me is always also being the actor or the actress that is playing that part. And so these characters live on a stage. They don't live in a room or, 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 or in a naturalistic setting. They are on the stage and I am the actor playing that person. And another bit of me is also being the audience watching that and trying to make sense of that and still another bit of me is being me just just trying to write it all and was that sense of because I know you did a lot of um, research and reading mm. um, of Hume's work was that was it quite a journey to conjure him as a living creature in your head or was he right there right away? no it was it was a very long journey and a very difficult journey the thing about um, when somebody when a character is well-known and famous and celebrated, is that in a strange kind of a way that doesn't help you. In fact, it blocks you because you have a whole set of preconceptions and other people's bits of information. It's generally the wrong, inf wrong kind of information in, in, in a certain curious kind of way that gets in the way and it stops you making the leap that you need to make in order to be able to really identify and really hear. That's it. So it was and it was particularly tough, I think, with Hume because I had I had such difficulty with this philosophy, I couldn't make any sense of it. 
And also because for Hume, language is important, because language is incredibly important for me, so that was a really strong point of contact. But it meant that the way Hume speaks, and he has to speak in a very special kind of way that suggests his time, that suggests the 18th century and all those very beautiful structures of thought and those values that underpinned the way he spoke. But at the same time, obviously, he's got to be comprehensible to us and he's got to be speakable by, by an actor of our time. Someone was just asking me, he said, should I read the play first before I go see it? Will I be able to understand? And I said, no, one of the amazing things Joe's managed to do is write a character whose voice is believably from a different time period, but who is as, mm. as easy to understand as, as a well, person. Well, I guess, time. you know, the thing is that I never know what I'm going to write. I think it's a huge mistake to plan plays in advance because it uses the wrong part of the mind. Uh, plays have got to come from very deep in the subconscious, and that means that... A play is always a journey for me, as well as for the actor and as well as for the audience. And this play, this was a strange one. I thought it would be quite a sort of logical, rational, clear play because it's about such a rational and, and clear and very, very beautiful person. But actually it was extraordinarily obscure at first, obscure to me. And I had to make an enormous effort in order to be able to understand it myself. And it was only really at the very last minute, about a day or two before I got to the end of the script, that I finally understood the structure. I finally understood how it worked. But I hope, in fact, my plays usually are really clear and comprehensible to everybody because that's very, very important to me because I think that one of the pleasures that it's, um, it's my job to create is an intellectual pleasure. So it's about um, giving food for thought. And in order to do that, it's got to be very clear, it's got to be very comprehensible, and it's got to speak very directly to the audience. I mean, it also needs to move them, it needs to make them laugh, it needs to make them cry, hopefully it'll make them quite angry in some places as well. Um, but for all those reasons, it has to be very clear. Which doesn't mean, because of course, the other lovely thing about my plays, at least something I'm very proud of, is that people often go back and see them again. And then they find that they make even more sense than they did the first time. And that's, I think that's very satisfying. Uh, it's very satisfying for me, obviously, but it's also very satisfying for the uh, members of the audience that do that. Yeah. I, I read a play, playwright just recently who had said something along the lines of, if you really love your characters, you can make mm. them funnier. Mm. And I think I took that to mean, I think he had said funnier, but probably richer, more poignant, mm. more moving. And and it made me think of your plays and your writing because something that I find so powerful that always comes across to me in any of the plays of yours that I've read or seen is this sense of deep sense of humanity and um, almost a real acknowledgement of these characters as as a kind of human human creations in, in not just pawns for you to move people around on stage. And I guess I, I was wondering, do you feel it? Do you feel a sense of love for your characters? Yeah, I mean, I'm not interested in writing about anybody that I'm not in love with. Mm. Um, you know, ob obviously people have faults, but, you know, we love, we love the people we love in spite of or because of sometimes their faults. And it's, yeah, it's very lovely what you're saying there about humanity and valuing humanity because again I think that's something that's something incredibly important that theatre can do 
Um, it can, yes, it can express a love and a value and a delight and a fascination for humanity, for people. Um, I simply do not want to write plays that are about my anger or my distress or my disillusion or my disgust. I think that's quite an immoral thing to do. There is so much suffering in this world. And I don't want to add to it. I want to try to see if it's possible to maybe alleviate it in some way so that at least when people come out of the theatre they feel they've had a an emotionally rich experience, an intellectually rich experience. They've enjoyed the language. They've been able to enjoy the actors, the physical presence of the actors. Um, and also in a way that it's kind of impossible to talk about, that they've had a, a spiritual experience. But in any way, I want it to be a positive, empowering experience. That's what I want. Mm. And... Again, speaking to the humanity, something else I've noticed, and I've uh, you've been so wonderfully prolific. I haven't I haven't read your whole oeuvre yet, but um, the the plays I have read do often seem to have either a direct address to the audience, an acknowledgement of the audience, or um, definitely s sort of engage with the audience quite directly and is that also a, a gesture of communication mm. and of humanizing the audience of course you're trying to reach out to them mm. and i mean it's daft you're in a room with a whole <laughs> crowd of people <laughs> and it's kind of absurd the way the dominant mode has this fourth wall which i have no time for at all and the actors just relate to each other and try and pretend the audience isn't there. That's rubbish. The audience create the play as well as the actors. And it's really, really important to acknowledge that and to celebrate that. Um, something else I think, I, I know you write wonderful poems and something that I think you can uh, see in your playwriting, the actual text of your plays is a kind of um, what looks to me like often a, a, a structure that, that could relate to poetry and the, the formality of certain line breaks. I, I was just reading the Faust plays and mm. the, they particularly sometimes feel almost like verse. Do you, um, I, I suppose I wanted to ask you about your inspirations and, and does poetry come into that? Do other things come into that? Well, my, you know, my playwriting heroes all wrote plays in verse. I mean, that's, I'm talking about Calderón, Lope de Vega, Tirso de Molina, those wonderful 17th century Spanish writers, but also Lorca, um, who was a great poet and who described theatre as poetry. He said, it's poetry that walks down the street. Mm. And I think, you know, poetry is about valuing language, and it's incredibly important that we value language in the theatre. It's one way in which we resist the devaluation of language that we see in the political sphere, in the advertising sphere, and it's another way in which we resist the devaluation of the human being that we see in the world around us. So I use language poetically, and my plays are poems. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not really about literally expressing the world. They're about metaphorically expressing the world and expressing everybody's inner world, everybody's deepest thoughts and deepest feelings and deepest desires. 
And you you have written so many plays and I hope you keep going writing so many plays. I was wondering about how you sort of how you first came to playwriting and then what's driven you to have this sense of production. Does that just feel very natural rhythm for you or um, do you have a, a, a goal in your head of <laughs> how many plays you want to be writing? There's, there's, a, there's a whole lot of things going on mm. here. Uh, originally what drew me to the theatre was acting. Um, when I was at school, I acted in school plays and I was profoundly unhappy in my school. But the rehearsal room and the stage was one place where I felt at home, where I felt I could be myself, where I was no longer shy, where I, yeah, I just felt absolutely at home on the stage. My difficulty was that they gave me girls' parts, which I absolutely loved. I loved playing girls' parts. But then as adolescence kicked in, I started to become incredibly frightened and incredibly ashamed of my feminine identification. And uh, in those days, that was the 60s, there was nobody to talk to about this. There was no understanding of this. There were no, it weren't even the words to describe this. Mm -hmm. And all I could do was try to suppress that side of myself. And as I suppressed that side of myself, I also suppressed my capacity to act. Oh. So um, that kind of went underground. And that, uh, but it was an underground stream with a lot of pressure on it to try and come back up to the surface. Uh, but, and it was very difficult because theatre in general became a place of fear for me. And I tried for a long time to write novels. I didn't actually start, discover I was a playwright till I was 30, quite by accident. Um, and then when I was 35, so that was about after 20 years of trying to become a writer, I had my first play put on in the Travis, uh, Losing Venice in 1985. And that's when I started to write professionally. And I discovered then, because the money was so bad, that the only way to avoid bringing up my children in poverty was to write very fast, was to learn to write ah. fast. So that's what I did. So it's partly financial, you know, mm -hmm. in, in a kind of very basic way. But I think also it's a product of the isolation I suffered from when I was younger, because there was nobody I could speak to. And so, again, there's a drama... Because we all have to reach out to other people. We have to communicate with our fellow human beings. And it's a constant, a constant need to, to reach out, a constant need to communicate. And I have to write something every day or I get very unhappy. It's, it's, a, it's a compulsion. But what's interesting, I suppose, now since, since coming out um, as a transgendered woman is that I've also now rediscovered the urge to perform mm -hmm. and the joy in performance. And so that's becoming more and more important for me. Mm. And um, do you feel a, a kind of that same joy you felt when you were quite young, when you are on stage again now and performing? Yes, I mean, I feel completely at home on the stage. Mm. Um, completely at home. I love doing it. Um, and I seem to be able to hold an audience, which kind of surprises me. I don't quite know how this all happens, and I have no... Technical, te technical <laughs> knowledge, really, but it, but it is, um, it's yeah, it's a huge, huge joy. But presumably, that um, that understanding of that relating to characters and thinking about the characters you write as actors. Yes, cle yes, clearly, it's. Uh, I, I discovered it took me a while to discover that it was that incredible performance instinct. Mm. 
that I've been using all along as a playwright. And because that's, as I said at the very beginning, I am the actor in my imagination as well as the character. And I only write parts that I would like to play myself. And that's how I know whether a line is good or not. And so your uh, play Tree of Knowledge is going on stage very soon. At this point, is that play, is it finished, done and dusted? Is it, uh, are there any changes that will happen now before it goes on? To well, stage? there's been a lot of, lot of changes in rehearsal because, because you never quite know until the play is on its feet, until the actors are speaking the lines, actually until the actors are really on top of the lines, until they know them. That's when the defects come out. Um, and so there's been a lot of changes going going along the way, and I, and I guess I guess in an ideal world I would put the opening off for another three weeks <laughs> to enable me to really because you know it's, I'm, I'm very proud of this play. I think it works really well. I think it's very powerful in many many ways. There's a couple of bits that I'm I think oh okay we can get away with that, but it could be better. I mean it could always plays can always be better. Yeah, plays can always be better. <laughs> Um, I think we're unfortunately just about out of time. Um, I thought I'd ask you right before we finish up whether you have any um, bits of advice for our aspiring and emerging playwrights out there or any of our playwrights out there listening. Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I, I often feel I'm, I'm not very encouraging because it took me 20 years. And yes, you know, if you really... And it, and, and it is a, it's a matter of life and death for me. It's not a... You know, if I if the web, the day I stop writing will be the day I die. Oh, may that never come. <laughs> but it, you know, it will come. Um, but that's very clear. And I think if it's what you need to do, then don't get discouraged. Keep trying. But above all, be yourself. Don't try and write like anybody else. Find your own voice and try to celebrate it. Oh, thank you very much joe clifford what a pleasure to be able to speak with you today thank you so much for joining us and thank you all for being with us and for listening to travcast please join us for the next one which should be coming up soon We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. For more information, please log on to www.traverse.co.uk.